the estimated value, and there's you can source this from different places, the estimated value that I found most readily as to the value of a stay-at-home spouse and all of the efforts that they put in between child rearing, fixing food, cleaning up the house, chauffeuring, shopping, and reducing convenience costs in your household is somewhere in the neighborhood of $180,000 a year. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of APM Success. If it sounds a little bit like I've got my evening radio DJ voice happening, it's because the little ones are asleep upstairs and we are downstairs in the podcast lab cranking out another episode here this evening. Tonight, I want to talk about spousal life insurance. This is a very niche planning topic. I got to say, though, that the most important and some of the most tragic experiences that I've been privy to as a financial advisor have had to do with frankly, life insurance miscalculations or an absence of life insurance in a case where it would have been really important to have it. So this is going to be one of those annoying episodes where you're like, Justin, are you really going to make me contemplate my death right now? Because I'm just trying to get to work or trying to (laughs) spin on the Peloton. Well, take a few minutes and indulge me. You may be glad that you did. And there's two mistakes, two niche financial planning mistakes as it relates to life insurance that I want to dispel and rebut today, having to do with spousal life insurance for a homemaking spouse. The two mistakes are as follows. Number one, the economic value replacement mistake. And number two, the opportunity cost overlook mistake. So economic value replacement. There are some circumstances, and I have been in conversations with CFPs, certified financial planners who frankly should have known better where they said, oh, you're a stay-at-home spouse. Okay, we don't need to have insurance on you. Which, yeah, is it's a it's a it's malpractice. It's financial malpractice. The estimated value, and there's you can source this from different places, the estimated value that I found found most readily as to the value of a stay-at-home spouse and all of the efforts that they put in between child rearing, fixing food, cleaning up the house, chauffeuring, shopping and reducing convenience costs in your household is somewhere in the neighborhood of $180,000 a year. I didn't go into a ton of detail trying to validate that because that is not the point for this exercise, but I will say there were a few data points clustered in that ballpark, so I think it's probably at least a legitimate starting point. So this will assume for a moment is the economic value provided by a stay-at-home spouse, especially in the context of a physician household where there's a high-income physician. If someone dies and they have a family, if this someone is a stay-at-home spouse, one of the conventional ways about thinking about their life is economic replacement value of their efforts. So for an income earner, this is much more straightforward, and this is sometimes ballparked at 10 times your annual income, which is totally arbitrary, not always the right number, but We'll use it for a minute for our purposes. So if you make $400,000 a year, and we use this rule of thumb to say, okay, 10 times your annual income is the amount of term life insurance you need, 
we may then secure $4 million of 30-year term insurance for you. And to be honest, that's probably a good starting point for most families. Sometimes this doesn't work. And one of the places where it breaks down pretty significantly is if you are a stay-at-home spouse. Because the economic replacement cost, well, it's a little more fungible. It's difficult to approximate. But if we use the 180 number, well, then that means $1.8 million is a good starting point. And actually, I have a little um, case study in the second part of this conversation that you'll see that uh, we get somewhere in that neighborhood. But as long as you have young kids in the house, especially depending on the ages of your kids and all of the things that you're doing to keep that household running, it's not at all difficult to imagine that you exceed six figures in the economic value provided by a stay-at-home spouse who is not working outside of the house, just with how much it would cost to find someone to be your nanny, cook your meals, drive your kids around. And then like you have to eat out more and maybe laundry and house cleaning and other things. There's a lot of things that you pay for that a stay-at-home spouse often is involved with. So if you think about all these costs for if you have very young kids, five years until your kids are in school, and then the the burden shifts a little bit, and then there's a lesser amount of economic contribution in just explicit economic terms until your kids are independent, we're easily into the seven figures in terms of the value of that spouse helping these little humans get out into the world and be independent and keeping the household running. So that is mistake number one is not properly understanding the economic value replacement calculation for a stay-at-home spouse. The second one that I want to address, and this is probably even more frequently overlooked, and it has to do with the opportunity cost of the high earner. So again, we're we're thinking about a scenario in which we're trying to appropriately insure a stay-at-home spouse. They're not making money outside the home. They have a significant economic contribution. That's one part of the calculation where we're trying to figure out how much to insure their life for. The second part which is less frequently considered is the opportunity cost of the high earner, the physician who is the surviving spouse and now the surviving single parent. And let's assume for a moment we have a specialty physician who between surgery center distributions and salary from their clinical work, they're pulling in $800,000, all from production, meaning if they're not seeing patients, they're not getting paid. Say this physician has a stay-at-home spouse and a five-year-old and a one-year-old. First of all, you know, we talked about the economic replacement of that spouse's efforts. So we'll assume that that's that 180,000 times five to seven years at a minimum for that level of contribution. So that's we're at a million bucks for, for starters. But now I want to sort of invite you to soberly consider what is this surviving spouse's life going to be like when he or she is widowed? And what is single parenting like? And specifically, how does that interact with your 1.0 FTE full-time job? Maybe you will continue to work 1.0 and will want to, but maybe you won't. You're probably going to feel some financial obligations if there's no insurance on your spouse. So you might feel like you need to keep on working basically at your old pace in order to continue to provide for your family. But the fact is, if you put yourself in the circumstance, your spouse dies, you've got a couple little kids, you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you have some family around or some good friends if you're lucky. And you're trying to figure out what does life look like for the time at which we're trying to just pick up the pieces. I guarantee you that having the flexibility to not go back to work full time, if you don't have to, is going to be a very valuable thing. 
So maybe for our example, it'll look like you take three months off. You spend time with your kids, you spend time with your family, you are probably, you know, creating some family memories together and trying to help your kids process their grief while you're trying to process your own. Imagine having a cushion of cash so that you don't have to stress about what that means. Because if you're making 800 grand all in production, the opportunity cost for just this three-month leave of absence is $200,000. And then it's not hard to imagine that, well, you're going back to work, but you've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old who's on their heels, and you want to continue to be engaged with them emotionally because you're a caring parent and you think that that is going to be helpful. And obviously, you're this is very, very difficult life circumstances, but you're going to want to have the work flexibility to not have to go back to work even after three months. So maybe you're working 0.4 or 0.6 FTE for the rest of the year, maybe for a couple of years. Maybe you're intentionally trying to create bandwidth so that you can pick your kids up at school every day. And so you got to be done walking out of clinic at two o'clock. And that takes that 800000 a year of income and that easily trims it in half. So now that first year when you took a leave of absence and you went back part-time, there's about a $500,000 impact. And then every year subsequent, there may be another two to $400,000 of impact. So again, this is a very high income example to just illustrate this principle. But the point is, if this stretches for a while, and if your family becomes more of a priority and the time with your family becomes more of a priority then what you're going to find is it's not difficult to imagine that 2 to 3 million dollars of life insurance on a stay-at-home spouse for a working spouse that values family and wants to be able to have that bandwidth if they need it is not crazy it's not at all crazy and at the end of the day what we're trying to illustrate here is that uh, frankly it's impossible to predict how if you know tragedy struck how you would react and what would be the best set of circumstances. And the point isn't to try to guess that, but it is a good practice to build in flexibility in your life when you can affordably do so. And most physician households can very affordably add term life insurance for 20 or 30 years, even if an extra, if it's an extra million or two or three, we're talking, you know, a hundred bucks a month in some cases for millions of coverage. And that can make the difference. If you've got a big six-figure income, it's a cost that's frequently worth bearing in order to give yourself that flexibility in the future if, God forbid, tragedy strikes. So that's all I've got for today for you. So your homework for this week, <laughs> I don't usually assign homework, but think about, does your do you have a stay-at-home spouse? Do they have life insurance? How have you engaged with these ideas of the economic value of their contribution to your household? as well as the opportunity cost of, are you on production pay? And if you had to take some time off work and then go back part-time, what is that going to mean? What is that seven-figure deficit? And to what extent does it make sense to ensure that in the future? Thanks as always for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.